0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to 3 Point Perspective, the podcast about illustration, how to do it, how to make a living at it, and how to make an impact in the world with your art. I'm Jake Parker. And I'm Will Terry.
1: And Lee White is not here right now because he is doing something else. We, we call it out on assignment. We don't really know exactly what he's doing right now, but we know it's important.
0: <laughs> it's very important, whatever he's doing. Probably Kickstarter stuff. No, but today we have a real special treat. Um, we interviewed Tom Richmond, who is a caricature artist, professional caricature artist, who has been working for. Uh, what did he say? His first gig was at in 1985 as a as a. As a I don't remember the year exact old. year, but
1: yeah, it was around there.
0: Yeah, so he's uh, he's he's been working for 30 plus years doing um, doing caricature art from. The broad range, the the spectrum of caricature, and we talked about that in our last episode on caricature. How you have on one hand, one end, there's you know the live drawing people sitting in front of you at like a at like a, a Six Flags, and you get a draw. You know, you're drawing them in five minutes. To the other end of the spectrum, which is like political cartoons or um, illustrations you're doing for publications, and he's done everything in between. is a fascinating conversation that we had with him i want you to check out his work uh it's it's good to have this either to be looking at it while you're listening or to just uh if you don't if you don't know about his work or you haven't seen it to go check it out i want you to go to tomrichmond.com. it's t-o-m-r-i-c-h-m-o-n-d.com or follow him on instagram his instagram account is um art for mad a-r-t the number four, MAD. Uh, you'll see a lot of the work that he's done for MAD. That he's done for other other publications as well. His caricatures are are top notch. I love them. Um, and uh, one thing he didn't mention in it, um, he there's also this. If caricature is your thing or something you're you're wanting to get into, something you might want to look into is the International Society of Caricature Artists or ISCA. They've got a website and, uh, and you should look into that and check that out. That's uh, it's a society all about helping people in this profession, um, get better at it, get work and, and, and do things like that. So I would, I would check that out. Some of the things we talked about in this episode are how the pandemic changed the caricature industry. Um, like I said, the full spectrum of, of caricature art, he, he gets in and kind of defines what, what to do and how to do it. Um, he tells us how to break into doing caricature work. Um, he talks about we get into the business side of it, like what percentage you should be making from, you know, if you're work- doing caricature art at a booth at a uh, theme park, you know, what's how not to get taken advantage of and how to how to get at it, um, how long a caricature sh- should last, like what's the, the standard for how to do in a caricature? Um, and then the balance too between the performance side of it and also the artistic side of it. So it's a good discussion. Buckle up. Here we go. We're going to talk to Tom Richmond. Tom, thank you for for joining us today. I kind of want to before we get into like background and everything with you because I'm really curious about how you got to where you are. I'm I'm actually really interested in the state of the like the caricature industry right now the the essentially the the guys the girls whoever's working caricature who do what you're doing what are the jobs what you know who's getting who's getting work how are they getting work and and i'm just i just want you to like paint that picture for us
2: well i guess it depends on what what world you're talking about you know i mean there's there's all sorts of different ways to make a living as a caricaturist you can draw it you know parties and that mm-hmm. sort of thing um i used to do that that's how i got started doing caricature and mm-hmm. uh then you know now i do most of my work is for publications or media or whatever mm-hmm. um but um you know the world of the 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 world of caricature art is um is doing pretty well right now i think it's it's coming back from the pandemic mm-hmm. you know most most of the live caricature artists <clears throat> like most people were forced to switch to a virtual solution mm-hmm. to do their their work yeah. and a lot of them have found, found it to be quite uh a successful way to do it and so oh. rather than going out to trade shows or going out to you know bar mitzvahs or or birthday parties or corporate functions or wherever they would ordinarily draw live caricatures, they do it virtually, and then they email people the drawings and stuff like that. So oh. they were sort of pushed into doing that. Now the 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 live work is coming back. You know theme parks are open back up, and um, you know fairs and festivals and places that you would ordinarily see live caricature artists working. Uh, are coming back, but a lot of people, the, the virtual thing is, is there to stay. A lot of people are doing it as part of what they do still. So, yeah. so like, like many, like many industries, the pandemic forced people into different way, different avenues, and they found that the, this was a good solution. And so they yeah. are sticking, uh, sticking a lot with it.
0: I I've listened to different, um, you know podcasts and read articles on that essentially the, what the pandemic did for business was um it sped up by a factor of 10 years where we were already headed yeah um, so I'm, i was yeah. wondering were there prior to that were there caricature uh caricaturists doing virtual character caricatures was that like a thing or was it something that really was born out of out of the pandemic
2: I think it would be fair to say it was born out of the pandemic. I mean, okay. I, had, I had not heard of that sort of thing very often. Um, the closest thing was um, the corporate kind of experiences that um, they had started doing online, you know, like wine lessons and cooking mm-hmm. lessons and things like that. They would bring uh, people in and uh, virtually... And these te- these agents agencies would have a, a menu of different personalities or different people with different uh, skills, and caricature artists uh, were starting to pop up in that. I thought, but the the switch to a more digital approach had had certainly started happening long before the pandemic. Like I know a lot of uh, live caricature artists were. Going in to do and would work on iPads or some other type of digital tablet instead of paper, and have a little printer and would print up, and then people would put them on there, you know, like for trade shows, put them on their name tags. Oh wow! Uh, or you know that hang them, hang them uh, with a lanyard, and yeah. they would have a monitor set up so people could watch them draw, mirroring it, you know. Um, so that was that was definitely something that was becoming real big. Uh, and mm-hmm. then, of course, switching that to a virtual uh, solution was kind of just the next, the next generation of that. Yeah.
1: Do you so. do you do you miss going to shows? No, <laughs> I don't.
2: You know, I, uh, <laughs> I still the reason go I on ask every once in a while, but go ahead.
1: Well, the reason I ask is because I, well, Jake and I both have done our share of comic conventions and stuff, and it was never my I enjoy meeting people the first day, mm-hmm. but then it just it drags on, and I'm like, I can't wait for it to be over.
2: Yeah. Well, you know actually, uh, I, I do comic cons, not very many, but I still I still do those, and I'm going to go back to doing them now that they're live. I don't mind comic cons. I, I actually enjoy mm-hmm. them because I don't do too many. Okay. I do maybe maybe three. Or four a year at most. That's
1: that's pretty um, good. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and I and I do like that, and that's different. You know, that's mm-hmm. where people commission me. They come up if they want to caricature themselves. I take a picture of them on my mm-hmm. iPad and tell them when they come back and get it, and then I get to take my time and do whatever I want. You know, mm-hmm. it's when somebody sits down in front of you and you got like five minutes to bang that out and, and send them <laughs> on their way, and there's a huge line of people waiting. That's that that I don't miss. <laughs> you know, going to theme parks. <laughs> Or doing them at some corporate event or something. Um, I don't do that too often anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, but comic cons, yeah, I still like that. You know, it's always fun to meet the people that have that that read your work. You know, mm-hmm. um, and get a chance to actually you know interact with people who who enjoy what you do. And because you know you guys know you you do your thing at home in your studio, and off it goes. And you know right. you, you, you get feedback, <laughs> but. It's it's just sort of like you create it in a vacuum, and and yet your work right. is enjoyed in that, uh, you know, all over the world. So, I I, I don't mind comic cons, but if I had to do more than, you know, a handful a year, I I would absolutely have a problem with that. I think. <laughs> so well, what, since you, oh, go ahead, okay. Jake. No, you go ahead.
1: Well, so you mentioned, um, you know, that that's it's more enjoyable to to um, have your time, take a picture, <clears> and to to spend some time with it. Do you? I look at your work and I'm like, this is a guy who is at the top of the the caricature world. I love your your Jack Black you. for some reason. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah, love but- so many of them. But but I'm thinking like, like for me, I've never done I've never done caricatures and I've never sat down and tried to, to do them because I know I'm not good at it. This is you know not my thing. But I'm thinking as a listener, like even where you're at right now. You don't, you say you don't like doing it, but do you get nervous at all? Like sitting there, like, am I going to be able to, to make the person happy when they see the final result? Does that enter in at all?
2: No, I, I I stopped being nervous about it after like the first 10 years I did it full time. (laughs) It took 10
0: years
2: (laughs) to get over that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I started, my first job in art was doing caricatures at a theme park in near Chicago, Great America. Uh, it's a Six Flags now, um, uh-huh. and uh, that was in 1985. I was I was 18, wow. and um, that was my summer job. And wow. I and I couldn't believe I was getting paid to draw. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so and by and I wasn't very good. You know, I was just a first year, you know, kid uh, trying to trying to get likenesses and do funny stuff. And uh-huh. but but the people that you know buy those sort of things they they honestly really don't know the difference between a good and a bad drawing anyway so it's <laughs> yeah. it's mostly it's mostly the advice of your peers and the and the um you know the other artists you work with if they tell you oh boy really miss that guy, you know, <laughs> he had a long skinny face, and, you know, you did. And then you go, hmm, "That's too bad. But if they tell you that was a great drawing, that was one of the best ones you did all day, then you can, you know, you kind of take that to heart. So, so I was able to, to separate the customer from, you know, customers opinion, because you would get people returning drawings, you know, uh, every once in a while that weren't happy with it. I mean, you, you're drawing, you're making fun of them, you're drawing a caricature of them and trying to get them to pay you for it. That's that's a tough gig. Right. And, uh, and well, I knew what I'm, they were I, signing up for usually, right? Like <laughs> you would think, you would think so. You would think so, but that <laughs> isn't a always the case. Yeah, that isn't always the case. But um, you would, and <clears throat> you would get people that would sometimes, you know, return the drawing, even though it was the best drawing you did all day. And then you would get people that would buy a frame and rave about this drawing that you did that you're so embarrassed you didn't even sign your name to it. You just scribbled <laughs> something that sort of looked like a signature and <laughs> no one could on trace it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, cuz these are fast. Tra- you you got to do yeah. them in 5, you know, 5 5 to 8 minutes and you know, uh it's great. I I I have always appreciated the time I spent doing that because I think that's how I really developed mm-hmm. my my Instinct for drawing faces and, and capturing expression and stuff, doing that fast, very responsive, you know, no time to think about it, just have to process it sort of work, uh, even though it's, you know, kind of a hit and miss sometimes.
0: Yeah. But
2: you really develop your your skills with, with likenesses and especially expression, because it's sort of like learn how to draw doing figure drawing, you know, instead of doing three hour poses, you do, you know, 10 second uh, studies with mm-hmm. the figure and you develop your instinct with the figure a lot better. Maybe your maybe your little studies aren't you're not gonna frame those, but you're developing your, your instincts with the figure. And then when you go to do a longer piece and you got the better tools for it. So uh, live caricature is a great, great uh, discipline, something that right. is a lot of fun too sometimes. Mm.
0: So you mentioned, you know, on one end there's doing live care doing live caricature. And then on the other end, it's it's doing like, you know, professional caricatures for publications. What's the, like, what's the spectrum is it, the full spectrum there is like, where do editorial cartoons fit in? Where do, you know, where does Mad Magazine, may it rest in peace, fit in? <laughs> I don't know. Is it, did, they, did it come back or is it
2: really gone, gone? It's, it's pretty much gone. Uh, You know, I I mean, it it does, they do publish a a magazine that says mad uh, (laughs) every other month, but it's, it's all classic material. Um, Uh They have a new, they have a new cover and then they've got a guy named Johnny Sampson who's really talented, uh, Mm -hmm. took over the fold in Mm -hmm. from Al Jaffe because You know, that guy, he's only 101. You think he'd be able to, you know, get (laughs) off his lazy butt and and do one piece every other month, but whatever. So, he's retired. And and so, there is a new fold-in. And then they very occasionally have some new piece uh, that's in there. Like, uh, we did a couple issues ago, um, they did a Batman issue, and I did the Mm -hmm. cover uh with uh pattinson's batman and then they had us do a two-page uh uh spread on the inside that was brand new that was um the little goof on you know all the takes on batman over the years so so they do sometimes do some new stuff but really it's pretty much just reprint but to get back to your question um caricature is so incredibly versatile uh Uh And I kind of lucked into it. You know, I got this job uh, when I was going to school for art. I didn't know what really what I wanted to do. Um, I I loved comics, but I wasn't sure I had the chops to, you know, do Superman or something like that. And I'd always liked to do more humorous based stuff. And I didn't think there was a lot of work for that out there in the 80s. You know, Mm -hmm. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was uh, big and that sort of thing. But um there really wasn't a lot of humor comics um so i thought well i don't know maybe i can do advertising work so i was going to college for art and i got this job and i and i really took to caricature was something that i really enjoyed doing it i thought i had kind of a knack for it turned out it was a great tool to have in my toolbox as an illustrator because when you do illustration work for whatever any kind of media almost everything ultimately is about people or or somebody, you know? And so being able to do a likeness of somebody is a really great uh, thing to be able to do, especially if you can do something that isn't photographic, you know, that's got Mm -hmm. another element to it. Um, And then within that, there's a big spectrum in caricature. So let's say I might get called on to do a piece, uh, a magazine illustration of a, uh, article on a politician that's very critical of that person, right? So mm-hmm. they want me to do a mean guy caricature, like make him look really stupid <laughs> or, you know, nasty or whatever. Then I might also get a job the next day doing a uh, caricature of some athlete for Sports Illustrated kids, and they don't want me to make him look, you know, terrible. Right. They just cool. want it to be fun <laughs> and whimsical and, and yeah. humorous, you know, without being derogatory. So you can do – you know, kind of fits a lot of different, uh, applications. And, um, uh, mad is kind of a special situation. You know, that's that, that, that magazine and that publication had always been known for its caricature since the Mm -hmm. fifties. And, and, uh, so being able to work for them was really a big deal for me. I was a huge fan as a kid, of course, and, Mm and getting, getting to be in it with a lot of my cartooning heroes was, was pretty special uh and and like you said there's so many other places editorial cartoonists you know are some of the Mm -hmm. best caricatures you'll find because they have to they have to boil the face down to like you know a couple of lines and make it recognizable um and it's always fun to watch the progression of editorial cartoonists with that new president you know (laughs) because because it always starts out it's a little bit too detailed and things aren't quite right and then people start unlocking things about the person and the next thing you know <laughs> at the end of their term it's like three lines and you know that's bush you know or whatever right. because it's it, not only they've trained us right to recognize it as well as they've uh-huh. learned how to boil it down right. to to the simplest of elements so um yeah caricature is a great a great discipline it's it's just it's, uh got so many so many places you can see it and and use it that's cool
1: so um a lot of our listeners are our younger artists or artists that are switching careers or looking to kind of get into illustration what do, what do you see as uh you know the the maybe talk about what it would take to get into it what you would do maybe differently if you were trying to break in now maybe some of the mistakes you made and yeah what, like
0: what, what would you tell you know some artists who's like thinking caricature could be a career option. Like today, what would
2: what would they do here in 2022? Yeah, well, I, I started in at a time where there was still um, an awful lot of publication work, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of print. And there was just so many opportunities in the print world at that time. That's not the case anymore. Right. You know, there's, there's so few magazines or so few publications that are in print. Now it's difficult to get the same kind of, um, pay for stuff that's only online. Um, so, I mean, really ultimately getting into it is kind of the same as it was when I was, uh, back in the eighties when I was starting to get into it, my advice would be. Get as good as you can get at it, you know. Because no matter what happens, the the cream always rises to the top. You know, the people that are really exceptionally skilled and have great um, great work are going to find places to yeah. to get um, to use that work and have people pay them for that work. Uh, live caricatures is really a, a, a wonderful way to to pay the bills, you know. It's not the most glamorous (laughs) in the world, you know, when you're drawing at bar mitzvahs or, uh, you know, some, some company's holiday party or something, uh,
0: you're earning that, that paycheck. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure. And the theme park gigs and retail gigs like that are, are also pretty tough to do, you know, it's, but, um, they pays the bills. You know, I, Mm I, I didn't just start making money as an illustrator, you know, out of college. I, um, I opened my own caricature theme park operations at the, at one point in the nineties, I had, uh, seven operations in four different States. And I probably had a hundred artists working for me. Oh, wow. And wow. I was at, I was at three, I was at two Six Flags parks, uh, Six Flags in St. Louis, Six Flags out in New England. That's by, uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And then, uh, Valley fair, which is kind of a Six Flags Flags-like park. Uh, here in Minnesota and at the Mall of America and uh, a couple of places in Atlanta and uh, another place in St. Louis so I, and done in New Orleans for a while too. So <clears throat> I had this big business going, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that really paid my bills and, you know, got us uh, financially um, stable while I was building up my freelance clientele. Mm-hmm. And I did some work for comics and... Um, I did work for a comic company called Now Comics out of Chicago for about six six years. I pretty steadily worked for them on a title called Married with Children, which was mm-hmm. based on the TV show. They did a lot of licensing stuff. They did the Green Hornet and they did um, the Ghostbusters cartoon um, uh, comics and mm-hmm. uh, a couple other ones. And they had the license for Married with Children. And that was just a bizarre, weird comic book. It was kind of Mad Magazine- Zany, um, just the Bundys in comics and comics, all things <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense. But it, I guess it did pretty well uh, for him. Um, I did it for like six years. I must have done thirty issues or something wow. like that of wow. the courses. Maybe more than that. Um, then I did a little series for Marvel, and I started doing magazine work. Um, you know, small, small local magazines. Um, eventually you know, just kind of built my clientele up from there. So it's a long road as a freelancer. You know, I never had a rep. I never had Mm -hmm. an agent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything I did was just my own, you know, word of mouth and and sending my stuff out to to publishers and, and that sort of thing. And getting into MAD was a big, a big deal because MAD sort of led Open the doors to a lot of other places because everybody knows Mad Magazine. So you right. say, Oh, I work for Mad Magazine, and people be like, Oh, okay, yeah. Because <laughs> um, everybody so, knows uh, Mad.
0: Everybody's had so, at least bought an issue. Or at least Everybody does. Issue. I mean,
2: <laughs> even even young people. You say today, you know, they usually just think it's the Cartoon Network show or something. They don't know right. it was. A, <laughs> they don't know it was a magazine, but <laughs> it still kind of resonates uh, today. But I've gotten tons of jobs because I work for Mad Magazine. People, you know, mm-hmm. follow me through the magazine or whatever. Yeah. So that was that was a, a, a great uh, thing for me. So what what was your
1: your caricature business model?
2: Like, yeah, that's where
0: it,
1: I was going to go.
2: Yeah, because, I'm, I'm just
0: because, curious how you made that work.
1: Well, one of our themes that we talk about, yeah. the three of us often, is that you, if you're not entrepreneurial as an artist, you you won't ever get paid as much as if you work for yourself, you know? Right.
2: Um, well, I, I didn't originate the the, the template. I, I basically copied the guys who I had worked for. Um, mm. I worked for a company called and Arts that did caricatures at, and they also did Airbrush t-shirts and uh, um, face painting at a number of parks. And I worked for them in Chicago. Then when I graduated from college, they uh, hired me to manage a new operation form and they had opened up at Six Flags in Atlanta. So I went down to Atlanta and was there for two summers. And then I came back to Minnesota and started opening up my own shops. But um, it's, it, you, you build a booth, you put tables with a bench in front of it, and you hire talented people and pay them as much as you can pay them and, and mm-hmm. you know, put samples on the wall and prices up there and off you go. So the artists that worked for me were independent contractors, that was the way that uh, oh. so they were essentially freelancers, and they got paid a percentage of their drawing. Yeah, that's how yeah. I did it with these guys. And that's how I uh, I did it with my operations. And um, it works out pretty good because the artists, they they make money depending on their productivity. So mm-hmm. and um, and then, uh, you know, they're freelance. So the and they have little risk. Are,
1: yeah. They don't take on as much risk. Right. So that's that's a, a good foot in the door for them because they can just show up and do it.
2: Right. The business is provided to them. You know, I'm sort of, I'm sort of like their rep and Mm -hmm. I keep putting their clients in front of them and they keep selling them their art, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so their, their, uh, their investment in it is their time and talent, of course. And then, um, you know, they have to provide their own equipment. So an airbrush or whatever it is that they use, um, and, uh, but that's a very small investment, you know, it's like a piece of paper costs, what, 10 cents, right? right. <laughs> yeah. the, the paint you use to paint on it, probably a, pe- a couple pennies and, and you sell it for 25 bucks. So,
1: yeah. So, uh,
0: um, so if you're looking for that job today, if you mm. know, and you want to get, get your foot in the door, how do you, how do you find that job? Like, how do you, how do you get, how do you land that job with someone?
2: uh if you're looking for it the the best way to go is to just if if there's a place nearby you like a six flags park or something like that just contact the park and say who does your caricatures and they'll give you the person's name and you can go there show them your work um and uh and get a summer job the best that really is an awesome if you can invest a summer doing it and you really want to learn how to do caricatures uh I couldn't recommend going to a theme park more. So if you Mm -hmm. find, if you find one that does good stuff, um, some caricatures, you know, operations are more cookie cutter. They sort of teach people a generic kind of face. Mm -hmm. And here's an eye, here's a wide eye, here's a narrow eye. (laughs) Yeah. When you, when you go to a park and you, and you're looking at there's multiple artists drawing and all of them seem to be, you know, drawing the same style. Mm -hmm. That's not a very good environment in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I always encourage people to draw <clears throat> their own style. So like we didn't have a house style, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of times people would end up copying me just because I'm the person they watch draw and, mm-hmm. uh, but they always would end up going out, kind of off in their own direction. So, and it, and it made it fun for us too, because we'd have, you know, this guy over here maybe was more portraity. you know, didn't, mm-hmm. didn't exaggerate as much. And this gal over here what had a crazy cartoon style that just was like, you know, the fairly odd parents sort of thing with big googly eyes and stuff right. like that. And they they were able to capture a likeness and and you know and get a good caricature of a person despite of a wide variety of style. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, it, it would run in the retail biz. It would run a, we run a fall of customers sometimes because they might be watching the portrait guy and say, Oh, let's get a caricature. And then they'd sit down in front of the gal that does the goofy cartoons. And when they see what she did, they'd be like, Ooh, that's not what I expected. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh,
2: but usually they're watching and we have samples on the wall. Everybody has different samples, you know? So, so
0: you know, um, what you're
2: but- kind of know what you're signing up for. Well, you should probably watch the artist do a drawing before you actually get one done. <laughs> you know, just uh, that's that's probably a good rule of thumb in in caricature in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so so if
1: I'm if I'm watching listening to this podcast, and I'm thinking, well, I don't have a portfolio of caricatures, but I but the Six flag, you know, the summer job thing sounds like fun, but I don't. I'm not ready for that. Would you recommend like going to a mall and just drawing for free, just having people sit down and drawing them or
2: something like that? Uh, that's that's kind of tough. Um, the mall probably wouldn't wouldn't cut into that too well. Mm. Uh, my advice is just to go to a coffee shop, mm. you know, set up in a coffee shop just just draw people you know you don't have to you don't have to even give it to them just just do live drawings of people yeah yeah uh the more you can do live the better because you know then you're getting used to seeing in three dimensions and you're not you're registering shapes and 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 elements of the face in real time instead of studying you know a a photograph which is different and um that would, help, that would help immensely in being able to do live stuff. And then the other thing I recommend to people is volunteer, you know, go to your local uh, elementary school or something and volunteer to draw it there, you know. Like their carnival or something. Yeah, their carnivals yeah. or something that they do just for free, you yeah. know. And so that then where you're sanctioned and people are saying, yeah, go ahead and set up and draw, you know, instead of like doing stealth it's drawings at, a, you know, <laughs> at, at, at the food court, you know, that probably get you into trouble. Um,
0: yeah. What are some like? Are there any red flags to watch out for when you go work for one of these caricature booth companies? Like, are are, are, are there, is there ever anybody like taking advantage of artists, or is there a certain percentage that's too high that they're taking? Like, what what, what are things to look out for?
2: Well, uh, sure, of course, there's always going to be. You know the, the problem with theme parks is that the theme park themselves take a huge chunk mm. um so you so it's difficult to pay um you know a top dollar for that sort of thing the the best way to make money doing it is to, is to do you know gigs at um you know for companies or, or people where they pay you and by the hour and you just draw people so i see you know yeah. at that that's the best way to do it uh, because you can charge like, you know, 150, 200 bucks an hour Mm -hmm. and you're only going to draw for two or two and a half, three hours maybe, Mm -hmm. but it's a pretty good payday for that shorter period of time. Um, Whereas at the theme parks, you're going to work, you know, an eight hour day and draw a lot and get paid a lot less per drawing or per Mm -hmm. face or whatever. But, um, yeah, you, you probably want to be, I I would want to be in a situation where, um, you have the opportunity to make some decent money. Uh, they ought to be paying you at least a third, you know, mm-hmm. of each drawing. Okay. Um, in my opinion, I mean, I, I even though the theme parks have jacked up their rates over the years, uh, I still start people out at, you know, between thirty and thirty-five percent for a first-year mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they don't they don't have much of an investment. You know, all the expenses are really on my end and the park is bringing all the people in and, but they're the mm. talent, you know, they're the people that are actually producing the thing and they ought to get their fair share of it. Right. Um, so I, I, would say that, and then, you know, talk to a couple of the artists at work there and find out if they're happy, you know, mm.
0: <laughs> that's true. Yeah.
2: Another thing is that the, you got to have a good support system. Like if you're an, if I'm the owner of a caricature concession, I want to make sure my artists have all the tools and have the best opportunity to be able to, you know, to be successful. So when you find, when you go to an operation, they say, oh man, we're always out of this. We're always out of that. You know, that obviously that owner, whoever's in charge doesn't, isn't paying attention. And, you know, it's just like, that's no good. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure that they've got all the supplies they need and everything's cool out there. and You know, Mm -hmm. everything's functioning and they reinvest in the business, you know, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I know we're, we're, we're kind of stuck on caricatures, but, uh, It's interesting to me because I've, I've, I've seen the operations, but I've never known what goes on behind the scenes. What, how many, um, how many drawings would an artist do in a day
2: maybe? Oh, it's, that depends so much. Um, on the the day and also on how fast the artist is, you know, Mm. um, if 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 you if, if it's not a day that you get rained out or something, you know, at like a, a festival or something, if it's just a regular day and it's a decent business and, you know, you got to be able to do 20 or 25 faces in a day. Mm-hmm. But I've done, I've done a hundred faces a day. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. When I was young and had a lot of uh, energy and we'd wow. work 14 hour days, you know, start at 10 a.m. and be done uh-huh. at midnight. Um, yeah. Those are just nuts, but yeah, we that's were only charging you know, <laughs> back in the, back in the late eighties, early nineties, we were only getting 10 bucks a face or something. Oh, so.
0: wow. So where do you want to be time-wise? Like what's a good place to be in to finish, finish a caricature, a live
2: caricature? <clears throat> um, I, I think of, you know, between uh, maybe about five to eight minutes, I think wow. is a good, is a good speed. Um, that's that's pretty quick. If you could do something in like five sub five minutes, is sort of a, a hallmark of live caricatures. Something that's wow. sub five minutes is is a pretty quick drawing. Now I know some artists that do them in two minutes, but <laughs> but to be quite honest with you, they look like they did them in two okay. minutes. You <laughs> know, a really so, fat marker. <laughs> yeah. So my my rule of thumb has always been: I don't want to do. Um, you know, compromise drawings really fast, Mm -hmm. nor do I wanna do, you know, really super elaborate drawings really slow, you know? Those are two ends of the spectrum that aren't really, if you're doing them too fast, you're doing crappy drawings, that's that's a disservice to your customer. And if you're taking forever to do them, that's a disservice to you because you're getting paid by the drawing maybe. So Mm -hmm. um, you wanna find that happy medium. You know, do good drawings quickly, basically. Right. And is, then, is the like,
0: it's the, another factor is like the people sitting there, too. They're going to get antsy after what, the 10 right. minute mark, right? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, honestly, a live caricature artist, the, um, the best of them are as good at the banter and the mm. showmanship as they are at the art. Wow. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I can do it. I can put on the show if I have to and make <laughs> jokes and make everybody laugh and do all that stuff. Uh, I'm, it's, it's not my favorite thing. I'd rather just shut up and draw, uh-huh, but you yes. can't just do that if you want to, because you got to, it's, it's, there's an interactive quality to it. You know, there's an entertainment factor. The live performance. performance. Exactly. Exactly. So the really heads. good caricatures do really good drawings, but also really mm-hmm. entertain both the people that are sitting in front of them and the people behind them.
0: Oh, interesting. yeah, I didn't think of that. That's true. Yeah. Um, what's yeah. the, like, what's the toolkit for a, a caricaturist? What, what are you wanting to invest in as far as
2: tools? Well, that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you can do it with anything. Okay. Um, I know uh, I use a really soft lead pencil, um, like a 4B, and it's, it's kind of a big fat, it's like a three millimeter lead. Oh, and then wow. I use a, I use a blending stomp to do a little shading. And then when I do them in color, I use an airbrush um, and freehand airbrush color on top. Now, uh, I know a lot of artists that work in marker and they use different kinds of markers. Mm-hmm. You can if you really want to get a, a live caricature artist um, ranting about something, ask them about their markers they use and they'll immediately start going off on how they don't make them anymore or they don't make them like they used to or you know all artists have that problem right, like, right. you talk about your tools and you're like oh the ink they discontinued the ink I use and now I have to use this other crap and it's terrible it's um, weird it seems like art supplies
0: because there's a pencil I used to draw with that they don't make they change the recipe or whatever it is for that lead and you know <laughs> uh, it's true. It's a true thing. There's like a 20-year lifespan for a certain kind of, of tool. And if you get in on the last three years of that, you, you know, you're like, well, I gotta find something new.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure you've 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 heard the Easterbrook 914 story, right? The uh Charles Schultz story. Uh no, tell it. I, okay. I think so, I have, but tell it. So Charles Schultz, uh Peanuts cartoonist, yeah. um used one ink nib. The Easterbrook 914 radio, Easterbrook radio 914. And um, he he had been told by the company that they had discontinued it. Um, and so he called up the company and every art supply place, like in Southern California, and he bought every Easterbrook 914 that there was in stock everywhere and he hoarded them all. <laughs> and he used and he never ran out of them. He nope. used to use them until the day he did this last strip. But uh yeah, so wow. that's that's how obsessive artists can be about their. Yeah, uh,
0: I heard that clothes. about Glenn Keane too. That he, he, I guess Blackwing pencils went, there was a, a, a period there where they just stopped making them. And mm. so he had done the same sort of hoarding thing where he's like, well, I've got a lifetime supply. So
2: I'll have to ask him so about good. that. Uh, he, I'm real good friends with his brother Jeff Keen, who, who oh. does the family circus now, yeah. took that or from their dad. And, uh, he's a member of the, um, cartoon society I'm a member of, and we've mm-hmm. been on some USO trips together. So I've met Glenn a few times, but I have to add next time I see him, I'll ask him about that. That's funny.
0: Yeah. Ask him if it's a true story or if it, I just, okay. it's a possible, <laughs> like if I just heard it somewhere. Oh, that's great. That's interesting. How do you, uh, how would someone get into like the, 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 the higher end publication type of type of work? How do you do that transition from doing live drawing to to i assume what is that your bread and butter now is
2: is more like illustration gigs yeah yeah i've been doing i haven't done you know made a living with live caricature in in 15 years probably oh yeah um but that's it's a tough transition to make for live caricature artists because uh i i tell i get that question a lot from like theme park character artists or party characters say, Hey, I want to do work for, you know, magazines or whatever. How do I get into it? Mm-hmm. And the first thing you have to do is, uh, uh, realize that the, the, this, you know, that's been their whole world for most of their career is only this much of what you're going to do. You know? Yeah. Um, the illustration is about narrative and it's about storytelling and it's about, um, you know, getting ideas across and communication. And while caricature is a, can be a big part of that, you're not just going to be doing faces. You know, you have to be able to to, to you, you incorporate your caricature into that narrative of some kind. So uh, that's the other thing. I basically say you better be able to draw like bicycles and, you know, feet <laughs> and things like that um, because you, you can't just do, you know, head and shoulder shots for, for magazines. It's not going to work. Um, But otherwise you got to just go out and find clients. You know, that's the, that's the hard part of any freelancers uh, career, you know, go find a place and go find people that want to use your work, you know uh, and the type of thing that you do. And, you know, today it's a lot harder because there's not very many people magazines and, you know, Us Magazine and all these entertainment magazines that used to use caricature all the time. And uh, and now they're all gone. So um, you know, you sort of have to you have to go out and find clients and find things that you can um, use to, uh, or you know, find people who need your work. And that's mm-hmm. that's always the big challenge. Um, but the 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 things that you can do as an illustrator is to create work that people want to buy. You know, so put your portfolio together. Mm -hmm. show 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 art directors that you're not just about the head and shoulders you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i have a of a story actually that kind of illustrates that um there was this guy that used to work for me doing caricatures at at the theme park and he came up to me one day and he said hey I've, i've got a job i've gotten my first real magazine illustration job it's for um a local twin cities minneapolis magazine and they're doing a story about the uh, the the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, who at the time was a guy named Dennis Green. And um, so they want me to do a caricature of him. And I said, well, that's great. How did you get that gig? And he says, well, I went to the pub- publication. They have a you know an office. And and I went and saw the art director and showed him my portfolio. And uh, I said, can I see your portfolio? So he said, sure. And he's showing it to me. And he had, he had some was full of a lot of different weirdness, but he had this these uh, caricatures that were I don't know how to explain them. They're kind of a cross between David Levine, mm-hmm. uh, cross hatching and sort of like, uh, almost like they were woodcut, like the cross hatchings were big, thicker lines. And oh, yeah. It was quite, it was, it was quite a cool, um, effect actually. And he said, yeah, they really liked these in particular. I said, okay. And he said, what kind of advice can you give me? And they said, well, you know, just, uh, um, you know, feel them out, see what it is they want and, you know, uh, ask them what the purpose of the illustrations for and, you know, read the story and try to create an image that, you know, communicates what that story is all about and uh so he he did this piece and he he came back to me he says okay I've got it done and he showed me a head and shoulders caricature of Dennis Green that was like a theme park caricature it was airbrushed and it looked like something he would have done at the park yeah. and I was like Mike they're not gonna like that because this <laughs> is what they liked in your portfolio right this is what you showed them and now you're gonna give them something completely different he says no they'll like it i they did not like it. They paid him the kill fee for it, and <laughs> it never got published. And you know, so what you need to do is, you know, put together work that people are really interested in in um, in buying,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then go find people to buy it. It sounds like oh, that's easy, but it isn't. Right. It's really, really hard. <laughs> right. That's why a lot of you know, it's it's tough to make a living as a freelancer.
0: I mean, that tracks with you know, half of our episodes are answering questions we get from from listeners Mm -hmm. and and at least one question per episode is i'm not getting work look at my portfolio what do you you know what am i doing wrong and it's always like you know it's it's either there's this massive range of things that they're doing Mm -hmm. you know i could do your logo design i can also do you know uh, caricatures, but I can also do industrial design and I could do comic covers and and it's like pick one maybe <laughs> two, and that's your thing and uh and then the other thing is is we'll just see like you know two pieces that are amazing, but the rest
1: looks like student work well or you know? two mm-hmm. pieces that are good, but you but in the market they want to compete in they they have to be great yeah to to yeah. really take work from someone else and so right. so it's so it's never. This portfolio is completely amazing and there's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah. never like that. Those people are getting yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. But but the, but the sad thing is that in order to get that portfolio, you have to be getting work to hone your craft to get there. So it is really a, a double-edged sword. It's, it's tough.
2: Yeah, but- yeah. Well, I like your, your comment earlier about being an entrepreneur, you know. And that's where I think it really is at these days, is that you've got to go out and figure out how to make money with your art these days that you just don't, you know, start getting clients and start doing it. You know, you have to reinvent yourself uh, every once in a while. And when when my, um, uh, when my magazine work started drying up and, uh, you know, I wasn't getting as many gigs that way. I had to... Uh, come up with other ways to, (laughs) to try to make money. And I started doing um, these workshops. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would travel around and do these, these weekend workshops to teach people caricature and, and, uh, and then ended up being a nice little side business for me. Um, And I started doing these things. Of course, I couldn't do them during the pandemic and I haven't really started back up with it. But for a while there, I was doing six or eight workshops a year you know just uh wow. in different places and they were small it'd only be like 12 students yeah um, there's some there's some good
1: pictures that, on your site uh that i was looking at
0: that's such a cool thing because if you're if you're like i really want to get into this i i mm-hmm. have a knack for it but i you know i don't know a single art teacher who teaches this and boom you're like gonna be an hour away for how long is your workshop like uh it's it? it's a
2: two-day workshop yeah like uh saturday sunday usually
0: yeah man i'd be signing up for that in a heartbeat and and checking that out that's it's fun because it, cool. it
2: it's hard to find instruction i mean these days there's videos all over the place and you can get you can find videos to teach you anything mm-hmm. um but one you know to really get to work one-on-one with somebody and watch them do it and get to ask some questions in real time and have them respond to your work and watch you do it. It's there's not very many places to do that, you know, so it's yeah. and and it's it's inefficient because I've got to get on a plane and fly somewhere, and, you know, set, <laughs> set it all up and get a hotel and get a, you know, a, a room that we can do it in and all that stuff. So it's not mm. the most um, it's not the most easy thing to coordinate and put together but um it's it's it, it it actually ended up being a really a nice little side gig like I said and and I found I enjoyed teaching uh, That's cool. yeah. I, I I like working with artists and it's fun to watch people light up when they when you you know kind of when you say something to them that clicks and they just sort of have that look in their eye like oh yeah okay and you know people people don't develop their skills over two days you know but they but you certainly do can open their eyes to certain concepts, and and uh, you know my goal always is to have them looking at faces differently, and mm-hmm. at the end of the weekend than they did when they came in. Which mm-hmm. usually that that's accomplished. Most people are pretty happy with, you know, the workshop over the weekend, and
1: it's a lot of fun. You, you teach them how to see. It sounds like exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the tough
1: part. So I'm I'm
0: wondering who i see influences in your work but i'm curious like who were you like your top three or five
2: favorite artists well obviously the the old mad guys you know would Mm -hmm. would be right up there um (coughs) most people assume more Drucker for me because my work has a lot of similarities to what he did Mm -hmm. um I'm more likeness orientated, and that less less exaggerated than most people. And right. there's sort of a kind of a cinematic quality to to what I do, which is reminiscent of his stuff. But um, Jack Davis really was a lot more of an influence on me, um, mm-hmm. cartooning wise. Uh, I always the high energy of his work was something, and, and the more exaggerated qualities of his figures and stuff was always something that really. Uh, that really I, I see that in like me. your
0: poses and like the you know the the mm-hmm. expression you know the the silhouette and stuff
2: i try to do that yeah and that's that's definitely davis stuff um mm-hmm. as far as illustration goes i uh, i found uh like a lot of people discovered andrew loomis's books uh-huh. um when i was younger and uh I just was fascinated by that guy because he, he, he could do anything. And my favorite Loomis book is fun with a pencil, which is just Mm -hmm. this goofy little comic, you know, cartoon thing that he threw together. And, but it's just so expressive and and fun and just shows this, how you can be a a really serious artist and illustrator and just have this goofy humorous side. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's one of the reasons that Wally wood is probably one of my favorite cartoonists and right up mm-hmm. there in my top three because he was mm-hmm. the same way he was like the modern day Loomis like he he could do really realistic stuff and incredible figure work and had uh, a great realistic comic book style and cartooning style but when yes. he when he was funny he was nobody was funnier he just was just outrageous with his cartoon work and mad and um and his yeah, humor his light stuff and was fantastic. shadow was like yeah he's a master impressive. of 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 uh uh black and white you know just cast shadows solid blacks um he and he was fearless i mean i, I wish i had half the guts he has to cover up whole parts of a figure you know <laughs> in nothing but black and still make it work by putting the the light behind it and stuff it's mm-hmm. just he was a genius
0: have you, you, have you seen like Frazetta's ink stuff, like somewhat cartoony stuff that he,
2: he's done too? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Frazetta was another flare. guy uh, that were – and they all knew each other, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the crazy thing. They all like, went to the SVA together or whatever, that high school. Will Elder and Al Jaffe and Frazetta and – My dog is is mad that he's not in here. I have to let him in. (laughs) My dog just
0: came in and sniffed her. Come
2: on, buddy. Okay.
1: I saw the doggy bed back there, and I'm like, I wonder what kind of dog goes
2: in there. Well, I got two. Actually, you can't can't see the other bed. It's behind the desk, but I got two little dogs. They're about 20 pounds each, so they're not very big. They're They're my studio buddies, and they come in here and, sack out in the beds while i'm busy working and <laughs>
0: i was gonna but, ask you uh, what about contemporary uh artists do you, who, who do you really look up to that's that's a peer pop you know that you're working with
2: oh boy uh there was a guy who worked with mad for a long time and now he just does fine art his name was herman mejia are you familiar with him no, no. he's a venezuelan artist uh God, it's just so good with caricature. I mean, I obviously always graduate or gravitate towards caricature artists just because, you know, that, that's kind of my thing, but, um, oh man, Herman was, was really, really good. He is really, really good. Now he does, uh, gallery shows and stuff. Mm. Um, that's, uh, uh, really, really fantastic, but his work for Matt always blew me away. Um, yeah. honestly, don't, you know, don't, don't follow comics too much anymore like mainstream comics so i i sad to say i don't have a lot of favorites Mm -hmm. um right now in that uh uh peter de is another illustrator who um whose stuff is uh, always blows me away and you know how it is where sometimes you've got an artist who's who does something that that is similar to what you do and what mm-hmm. he's better <laughs> and you think like, wow that's where i want to be but there are other <coughs> artists whose work completely different from me you know mm-hmm. and that and they just it i can't quite wrap my head around how they're seeing these things and what they're doing and it's just it's just like this really alien culture that but it still amazes and fascinates me. Yeah. So Peter is sort of like that. Like what he does is just uh it's just beautiful. His his color work is just mind-boggling and I love his stuff.
0: You and him seem like you've found the fountain of youth. You guys both look 10 years uh-huh. younger than <laughs> you actually are. <laughs> I've never met Peter. Uh I'd oh, love really? to meet him someday. Yeah. yeah he looks yeah. really young. As I he- used to work at uh, Blue Sky. So he would uh you know, he was in the art department there, and I'd see him whenever he was in and stuff. Super cool guy. I was always like kind of nervous, like oh, I don't <laughs> want to like interrupt his inspiration or his flow or anything.
2: Yeah, it's so fun to run into his work too. I was, we were in uh, New York a couple of years ago, and we went to um, we went to a show, and he had done all the art for the show. Um, oh, wow! It, all the, you know, the posters, everything mm-hmm. was, was his stuff. Instantly recognizable, of course, you know, yeah. stuff is like, you just see a little portion of it and you go, Oh, it's Peter stuff. Um, but that's great. Uh, I'm trying to come up with some other names and I'm just blanking out. Carter Goodrich. It. You, you familiar I'm with not, his stuff? No, I'm not familiar with that one. You've oh. seen it. You've seen, no, seen it.
0: He's like, a, yeah. uh, uh, he, 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 got the, he got the gig doing, Character design for animated films, and like like Open an,
1: Season.
2: Yeah, he's an
0: illustrator, but then yeah,
1: he Carter Goodrich did some of the character designs for Open Season and for uh, Ratatouille, and oh, yeah, I'm sure I've
2: seen this stuff. Then yeah,
0: he's super cool. Um, I was going to ask you, did you in this whole thing you never mentioned art school? Did you do art school, or was it are you are you like a self taught like
2: <laughs> no, I went to art school. Uh okay. I went to a tiny tiny little art school in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's now defunct. But it was called okay. the School of Associate Arts at the time. It was actually just in an old mansion in, in uh uh in in the 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 Cathedral Hill area of Saint Paul, and uh, I think there were about maybe eighteen students in my graduating class.
1: So, so you're like mm-hmm. an X-Men of artists.
2: <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, true. I wish uh, I wish one of my instructors would have been a ball guy in a wheelchair. That would have been awesome. Um,
0: <laughs> Which X-Men I never... are you then? <laughs> are you? Oh, I don't know. Are either. you a Cyclops, a, a Wolverine, a Beast? <laughs>
2: <sighs> I don't know. I guess I probably more of a Colossus, yeah. big, dumb, and clumsy. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my education in art, but I learned nothing about cartooning. Mm. There were there were zero cartooning classes. In fact, my it was more foundational stuff. Yeah, my illustration instructors frowned on cartooning. I remember that I had this mm. guy um, who was uh, like my junior year illustration instructor and i had been doing caricatures then for a couple of summers i would i would go to school and then i would go do caricatures for the summer and i come back to Minnesota and do and do school and uh i i and i actually did caricatures at uh, like nightclubs and bars and stuff on weekends to to make money during the school year
1: oh, nice. and
2: This guy took me aside and he said, look, you're not never going to make any money as a cartoonist. For every single person that wants to be a cartoonist, there's like 10,000 people that don't make a living. (laughs) So what you got to do is you got to learn how to draw products. So he showed me his portfolio of stuff where (coughs) he drew tractors for like, you know, Menards ads and things like that, sandwiches. And all that stuff. This is where the money's at. I'm going to go home and draw a tractor uh, trailer for a circular newspaper ad tonight and make like five hundred dollars. So that's what you need to learn how to do. He had no idea what was coming. You know, right. nobody did. Of course, the at the death time, of
0: newspapers.
2: It, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, the product illustration was going to be taken over by you know photo- photography and right, right. Photoshop and all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> I ran into him years later. Um, uh-huh when i was after i had been working for mad for a while and um and i said well i guess i'm one i'm one of the one in 10,000 people i feel pretty damn lucky <laughs> did he uh, that's that's so great you know what's that's, funny is
1: there there are i've met a lot of artists who were hated or disliked or unappreciated at their school by their by their faculty you know the, the Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so funny how yeah. how often that happens where you know you're told you'll never X fill in the blank. you know like Ryan Woodward was or Ryan Wood was uh, he, he worked for Disney for a while, but he was told by one of his uh, high school teachers that you'll never make any money drawing these stupid skulls because he was drawing skulls on stuff. Mm-hmm. So then he he started putting a, a small little skull in every painting that he did for, for all of his freelance work and you can't you have to look for them you know you have to like really zoom in to find them but they're, they're anyway <laughs> that was a
0: sort of like screw you i'm i'm gonna make <laughs> i'm gonna make this work it's funny because you tell it to one it, it's i think the people that are going to succeed are the ones who it doesn't matter what you tell them like you know quit drawing anime you know anime's not your like nobody's going to to hire you to do anime, and then the person who's like, has it inside them, then, <laughs> that fire, they're like, I'll show you.
1: They just use it as I'll fuel. do anime. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, honestly, okay, I Ed, was i was actually kind of glad that they didn't have any cartooning classes there, because it did force me to, you know, to learn the fundamentals, and which yeah. I think just made made the cartooning end of things stronger for me when I ended up gravitating towards the humorous side of things. That's so, true, because
0: yeah. you, you could have just um, really leaned on what was fun and easy for you, mm-hmm. like and 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 sort of atrophied in these other areas that you actually absolutely need to know. Because I look at your color stuff, your your line works great. I've been looking through your Instagram as we've been talking. Of course, your line works amazing. I love it. You know, light and shadow is good, but then your color stuff is just top notch as well. It's all you're just anything you do, you're good at. So well, thank you.
2: <laughs> it's really cool. I'll tell, um, I mean I'll tell my wife you said that because she, she won't agree but oh. okay. <laughs> <laughs> wives are the toughest critics though they're,
0: they're so yeah 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 they they tell it like it is
1: <laughs> especially when they're mad at you for something else yeah then they're really good at being critics
2: she thinks I'm pretty good at the art <laughs> thing but I'm not very good at like fixing stuff around the house and that type of thing
0: yeah. I'm I'm the she, at any time I'm like honey I gotta finish you know I'm gonna try and fix this myself and she's like okay you could spend all day trying to fix that or go do the thing that you're really good at and hire a guy who's really good at this to do the plumbing you know yeah
2: that's probably wise our but other thank you for our the other guy
0: words. yeah our other uh, partner Lee who does the podcast with us he honestly is like a, a jack of all trades pretty darn good at all too like so wow. he yeah, yeah. like he one day he's like ball. oh I ripped out my stairwell <laughs> and I'm rebuilding stairs I'm like I would never take that project on and he, he has all the tools and he does it okay we're, we're about done here I wanted to ask you I guess we'll close with this if you're cool with that Um, which Batman is the best Batman
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's tough, boy. Um, and, and
0: I'm talking films, but I'm also curious if you have a favorite um, Batman uh, time period in the comics as well.
2: Well, hands down, the, the uh, animated Batman is the best Batman of any uh, any media. Batmans. I mean, if okay. you're counting cartoons, the Paul Dini, you know, um, yeah. Bruce Tim uh, cartoon was the best ever. Uh, if I had to pick a a live action Batman, Mm -hmm. hmm, I think, I think Ben Affleck actually kind of got a bad rap because he didn't really have a lot to work with. Um, but I, but I kind of like their take on the war weary kind of older Batman there. Yeah. Although I did really like the new film. I like, I thought Pattinson did a pretty good job. Um, the emo thing aside, I thought he was still pretty good. (laughs) Uh, but, um, well, my favorite Bat- Batman era of comics had, has got to be the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams era in the '70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That was right when I was getting into comics, and mm-hmm. they were it at the time. And the course, yellow symbol that, and the blue cape, right? Yeah, yeah, some of that work was just phenomenal too—the Ra's al Ghul saga, and <laughs> and uh, you know that stuff. Is still holds up, uh, you know, over the years later and. And, uh, and then um, I got out of comics for the longest time. And then my, my now wife, uh, who mm-hmm. was my girlfriend at the time, bought me the trade paperback uh, edition of the uh, Dark Knight Returns, the Frank Miller Batman mm-hmm. series. And then I was like, wow, is this what comics are like now? I'm getting back. Because <laughs> that was yeah. about as good as it got, too. So, uh, but I'm one of those guys that can really appreciate the different Batmans. Like I, yeah. I, uh, I still have a fun you know, place in my heart for the Adam West show Mm -hmm. that, you know, really got me into comics as a little kid. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was goofy and fun and campy, but that's what it was supposed to be. And and then, but I can also appreciate the, the gritty take like the new Batman movie. That's, you know, that's what's so great about that character. You can, you can take it from all sorts of different angles.
0: Did you ever see the Lego Batman movie? I never did. I okay, you got to put that on your list because <laughs> you you think oh it's I don't I don't have time for this but it is a solid Batman movie it's a really, really good seriously. Batman movie yeah they they treat it they respect the the source material and then they bring a lot of grouch to it
2: yeah I hear that Lego Batman's really grouchy
0: yeah but they they do so much with that it's <laughs> it's solid it's really good so
2: I all right well that. <laughs> uh, that's on my list I'll definitely i have to have a look at that yeah.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Yeah, thank uh, this you. It's been great.
2: We really yeah, nice to meet it. you.
0: Yeah, my yeah. pleasure.
2: Thanks for for letting me be on the show. It's been fun.
0: All right, that was really cool. I like talking to I like talking to that guy. He uh, I love his stories. It totally opened me up to all the possibilities of what caricature is in that world. Yeah, I think it was a good follow up to that episode we did. Yeah, about caricatures.
1: It's great. I love the. That uh, you know, we 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 touched on a little bit about being more entrepreneurial, uh-huh. and I get the sense that he's financially well off. Do you get that sense? I
0: get that sense. Yeah,
1: like I mean, he's he's
0: made some good financial decisions.
1: Yeah, you can't really say, hey, so what what does your portfolio look like? What, what do you you know? Yeah, what are you um, invested in? <laughs> yeah, what do you? Yeah, and how much money do you have um, tucked under the mattress? But, um. You know, and, and and part of that is that he, you know, made some really um, good entrepreneurial decisions to take mm-hmm. control of his financial future, and we like to talk about that a lot. Um, and I think that that's more important now than it ever has been for artists um, in in the day and age where you have access to tools that allow you to right. go directly to your um, audience. So yeah, I, I love that part of it.
0: Yeah, and the main thing too for him, I I feel like was he. It didn't seem like he was just passively going through his career, but he was right. like, "Oh, looking ahead two steps, and seeing what do I need to do to to stay afloat, what do I need to do to thrive as an illustrator? What do I need to make, mm-hmm. you know, to make it and, and Oh, there's some changes
1: I, coming. Yeah. What do I do to to modify what I'm doing?" Yeah. yeah. And and that's something that I've heard I really quick, I was uh talking to an artist when I was just, I was like two years out, two or three uh-huh. years as an illustrator. Uh-huh. And I was doing really well in an editorial illustration. And a, and a veteran illustrator said, you better be saving a lot of this money that you're making right now because it ain't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there going, how could it not last forever? You know, just, <laughs> I have no life experience at all. Right. Okay. And I'm thinking, how could it not? And this is it the was guy only who's like, been through two droughts and yeah
0: you're like why when the rain's done the rain's gonna stop
1: yeah (laughs) 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 it it was only a few short years later that editorial got flipped on its head by stock illustration and the internet and you know all kinds of other market forces and yeah that industry completely changed every place that I was making money dried up and I had to make some some big time changes and, and stuff and so that that was a good lesson to me and it was neat to hear him talk about those sorts of things
0: yeah that's cool well, I'll take us out all right everybody thank you for joining us three point perspective is made by or is brought to you by svslearn.com uh that's where becoming a great illustrator starts and your host today was me will terry and him jake park no i'm, I'm jake <laughs> parker he's will terry and like we said lee white couldn't join us he's out on assignment uh but you can follow us over at willterry.com uh, for Will Terry, Lee White Illustration.com for Lee White, and MrJakeParker.com for, for myself. Uh, podcast is produced by Daniel Tu. That's DanielTu.co. Special thanks to master of production, David Bro, keeper of the curriculum, Austin Shirtlift, chief operations officer, Lisa Fott, and a thank you to Lily Howell for our show notes. Now, go draw something.